Hello and happy Mother's Day. This is the Woes Podcast. My name is Matt. And I'm Gabriel. Um, so one thing Gabriel and I have in common is that we both are pretty close to our mothers. Would you say so, Gabriel? Yeah, I like to think so. Wasn't always that way, but certainly now I'd consider my mom top five friends, no doubt. Top five friends. That's uh, up there. My mom and I have always been close since I was growing up. I remember having to go to work with my mom to church every day. So, oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. More of a tag along. What was I'm the, the age one. when you were when you were coming to work for her? Or with her? Uh, between third, fourth grade to sixth grade. I had to go like every day. Yeah. Wow. Those are some yeah. formative years. I was pretty bored because I was homeschooled, but... Um, you were homeschooled? I was homeschooled from oh. childhood all the way to seventh grade. That's crazy. Yeah. I had no idea. I was homeschooled mm-hmm. all my life. Yeah, my mom was always pretty protective of me in a way. One thing that we bonded over or one thing that we have a lot of respect for each other is because we both have such a great relationship with our mom. Yeah, definitely. I think it shows some maturity once you get old enough to appreciate your parents for more than just the utility aspect and you start to really dig into that affection. And I think once that personal growth comes, you can have serious relationships with your parents, I think. For sure. Yeah. So what is your family doing for Mother's Day? I tried to do well this Mother's Day, so my mom, her big thing is flowers. She loves flowers, especially in the springtime, so she buys these nice pots, nice, nice arrangements. So my family, my um, my two brothers and my two sisters and I, we all bought a really, really expensive nice pot for her, and a bunch of, each picked out a flower, made a big arrangement. We're gonna bring put it in the living room when she walks out for uh, to stream church tomorrow to surprise her. And then, um, you know, the standard breakfast in bed, games. And then my mom loves to do this thing. I don't know if your parents like this, but like, you know, in Thanksgiving, how some families will all go around the table, say what they're thankful for. Well, my mom loves doing some iteration of that horrible, horrible practice. (laughs) So uh, we'll all go around and say something nice about her because she loves that. And my skin will crawl, but, you know, it's important to love people the way (laughs) they want to be loved, I think. Agreed, for sure. Well said. What about you, man? What you got going on? Well, it's just me, my dad, and my mom in the house right now. My brother's in New York City um, during mm-hmm. this COVID thing. He oh. actually Bless shipped. You. He actually shipped in a beautiful vase or vase. Would you say that vase, vase, vase? I say vase, but I'm pretentious. <laughs> I think I think both are right. Um, yeah, he bought this nice vase um, from Anthropology and shipped it over, and we opened it today. Um, I thought it was a really cute one. So my mom's into flowers as well. What I'm doing, I ordered a cake from a local bakery um, and it's her favorite cake. It's called a brown derby. Brown derby, is that like chocolate? Yeah, it's like um, whipped cream with a lot of fruit inside and a big dome with chocolate outside. And so that's my favorite. That's kind of my go-to, either flowers or that go-to for Mother's Day, birthdays, Christmas. Throughout the year, do do you go out to dinner with your mom? Like, do you take your mom on dates? My mom really likes that, so my brother and I have been trying to do that more. Which is fun, because she always pays. <laughs> and she always compliments what I'm wearing. It's an ideal date, actually. Because I'm the only kid, I think my mom and I just spend time together in general. Yeah. Sometimes we'll just eat together with my dad or me. Right. Our family's so big that you have to take that separate time. But if it, like, um, yeah. if it was smaller, I'm sure we would just spend you know most of the time together like you guys do. Would you say you're more like your mom or your dad? mom probably really yeah i don't know i've always wondered personally i get told by everybody but my dad that i'm more like my dad but my dad thinks i'm more like my mom truthfully i think i'm equally both but like my parents are both type a you know 
um, driven people, but my dad's a lot more introverted. My mom's more extroverted. So socially, I'm like my mom, but I like to think on the inside, I'm a lot more like Tony, which is my father. Okay. My mom and I both have like a side of us that likes to solve problems and also i think what's the like we try to have intuition (laughs) (laughs) yeah you've got that uh you've got maternal intuition matt um i guess so yeah it's cute that's why why you're such a uh, you actually you communicate really well as far as men go like i don't have a lot of close guy friends because yeah well guy friends they don't have the this is gonna sound sexist but they Mm -hmm. a lot of times lack emotional depth which is why I normally get along better with females. And my close guy friends are always more, um, not feminine, but they, they're emotionally in tune. Like it's not like pulling teeth type of conversation. That's a little more real than small talk, you know? Yeah, I totally get it. I, I, th- I think that comes from a healthy relationship with your mom. So my name is Matthew. And then the, in the Bible, mm-hmm. the meaning is a uh, gift of God. It's kind of something I love sharing, kind of out of confidence or whatever. My mom and dad called me gift of God because my mom had a miscarriage before me. And oh, yeah? they weren't sure that they were going to have kids again. And a little miracle. Like, baby. Years later, she was able to have me. Right. So they gave me yeah, Matthew for gift of God. And so whenever people talk about oops, babies as a youngest kid, I'm always mm-hmm. like, no, I'm not one. Uh, yeah. and I'm really proud to say it. And so I also see that in my relationship. I can see my mom really just going out of really care for me in that kind of younger kid way. Do you talk to your mom about things like dating? Yeah, so when I was when I was a kid, so before and back when I lived in Jersey and when I was young, my mom was like my best friend, um, super tight, talked about everything. But then when we moved to North Carolina high school, as guys begin to individuate, mature, and grow, they get distance from their mom. So in high school, no, not at all. But now I get more relationship advice from my mom and dad than anyone, anyone at all. Because you, you watch all your friends fail in relationships and you're like, wow, you guys did not know what you were talking about and I need some help here. I so, would have to say the same thing. I've always found it kind of confusing why I would be willing to tell my parents about this stuff. But especially with my mom, I found, find it really comfortable to talk to. Yeah. I guess because, I don't know. I used to be scared about going, not scared, but tentative to go to my parents for advice because I thought they'd be more controlling. But they're so happy to be a part of the conversation at all that they want to facilitate my growth more than they want to just sort of commandeer it and give advice. Like I'll be talking to my parents about some of the shadier relationship decisions I made. And they're very supportive. Like I told them one time, one time there was this girl that I was going to date, but we hadn't dated yet. And I threw a big party (laughs) at my house and this other girl was there and she and I like hooked up lightly not like not anything major but anyway and i told my parents about it the next day and they were just laughing about it they thought it was the funniest thing in the world that i had created all this drama for myself and i thought they were going to be furious (laughs) so just like stuff like that like growing up with your parents because you realize your parents are growing with you once you get to a certain age you realize that right they're maturing in their relationship with you as well and you're more in it together it's cool it's it's a lot more uh, mutual than it was well, looks like it's going to be a great Mother's Day in both our houses, hopefully. Um, good luck with tomorrow's uh, preparation or surprise. I hope it goes well. I do want to sneak in a quick version of our one of our favorite segments, Soft Move or Boss Move. Let's do it. I'm ready to so, critique somebody. 
So there's this article I found about Courtney Cox, the actress that plays Monica from Friends. Mm-hmm. So she has a daughter. I would agree, actually. You know, Friends is a garbage show. I won't defend any character I, on it. I do like Monica the best, though. Anyway, yeah, so Monica's Courtney Cox, the actress who plays Monica on Friends, she has a daughter who is age 15. And it's actually, that's close to the demographic we're shooting for, right? Yeah. So she mentioned in an interview, her daughter actually gives her kind of goofy gag gifts for like Mother's Day and in other occasions. She mentioned that last year for Mother's Day, her daughter went to Spencer's and bought her the book of farts. <laughs> when you said went to Spencer's for Mother's Day, I was like, oh boy, here we go. Right. Book she bought her book- more tame. <laughs> The sound of farts, actually. But um, so she said, I love farts. I do. I love a fart joke, but I don't want that. <laughs> so going to Spencer's to buy your mom a gift for Mother's Day, soft move or boss move? Oh, boss move. If you can buy your mom anything at Spencer's, it's a boss move. The minute you walk into Spencer's and they're like, what, what can I help you with? Looking for a gift for mom. Boss right there. <laughs> I'd say the one thing that's a soft move of it is of all the things you could have brought your mom from Spencer's, you picked the fart book. book. Of farts, yeah. <laughs> In case you're wondering if your mom wanted a son. <laughs> well, it's cool that she's like, okay. I think that the fact that she mentions it in the press shows that she's kind of proud of her daughter. Yeah, definitely. And so even though she mentions, oh, I don't want that, I think she kind of appreciates that sort of humor and i'm sure that her daughter does other things for her i would hope but i do know they're probably well off financially so you never (laughs) right i think at that point you buy gifts for fun and not because people need things like if i was as rich as monica from friends and i will not call her courtney cox so if i was as rich as monica from friends i would just buy whatever i wanted when i wanted it yeah i I like that move from her daughter i really think it's it's kind of cute it's kind of funny yeah it's super cute it shows that she's proud of that kind of relationship. And that's good. We should promote that kind of relationship. I feel like um, parents and kids are pretty distant these days. There's not a great connect. And a lot of the wisdom our parents can impart is sort of lost in that. So it's cool to see families being close become fashionable. Because, you know, you watch Stranger Things and they hate their parents in Stranger Things. Like, except for Will. And, like, 80s movies, if you watch any of those, the disrespect for authority that... Like it wasn't, it wasn't cool to try it in school and it wasn't cool to be close to your parents and say whatever you want about Gen Z. It's cool to try in school and it's definitely cool to be close to your parents. And I think Courtney Cox perpetuates that standard. You think that Gen Z thinks it's cool to be close to their parents? I definitely think that. I think it's like if I, if we're at our friend, if you're at a friend's house and they're vibing with their parents, that is a good thing. It's interesting. And, like, if you watch them, um, just even if you watch kid shows and stuff, the families are a lot closer. And, uh, like, um, a good contrast would be if you watched Breaking Bad, started right. in the end of the 2000s, early 2010s is when it concluded. Um, the family hates each other. Skyler is this the terrible. Son has, the son uh, has um, cerebral not palsy. Cerebral palsy. Is it cerebral palsy? He might, he had some, something like that, some disability. But it's a, it's a broken family, disjointed, disconnected. Then you watch Ozark, a pretty similar show, late 2000 teens, and it's fully embraced the, like the, gra- the grab of that show is how much the family gets along and how much they love each other. Interesting. I mean, I remember I watched a lot of Disney Channel growing up, so that'd be like Sweet Life, Zack and Cody, right, right. Anna Montana. They no. always have either a divorce or separated parents or a parent's dead. Right, they try to make it relatable. Yeah, so that's very interesting to think about. I never thought about that. It's cool that Gen Z gets along with their parents. It's kind of a call for Gen Z parents to hang out with their kids. Yeah, definitely. definitely. 
but like i don't know i i see that a lot more and, and I, I love that it's a great thing about our current culture well even like um even today with covid going on you see so many families getting closer and closer and i think it's because um we're pursuing that image a lot more than we're pursuing like rebellion do you remember punk rock like in the 2000s and green day my chemical romance like yeah but um i was big in the punk rock scene when i was a kid and like it was i've always respected my parents like when we were close or not i respect my parents they you know they, they do so much for me it seems cruel to not but like i was listening to this music i'm like wow people hate their parents and they mm-hmm. hate authority and we, we've outgrown that a bit but um it was a it was a big trend that we see declined a little bit do you know if that um, among Gen Z parents, there are maybe their parents' generation maybe doesn't value to spend time with their kids as much sometimes? Do you know yeah, about anything so like that? Yeah, so I actually would attribute it to Gen X were raised by boomers, and Gen X and millennials are mostly at boomer parents. Some Gen X have World War II parents. Boomers were a very spoiled generation. Like everybody got back from World War II, and they had suffered so much through the Great Depression, World War One and Two, like that age bracket that was having kids coming back. All they wanted to do was just spoil their kids and give them this amazing life. So you end up with a lot, like my, my parents did not have good parents. Like there was one good parent of the entire set of grandparents. The rest were very selfish. The rest very much wanted to live their own lives. And because of that, I think Gen X realized that they want to give their kids the relationships that they didn't get to have with their parents. Like my mom is very obsessed with the fact that we can be friends and we can get along and stay close all our lives because after they were like 18 they pretty much disconnected from any kind of dependency role on their parents and like they repaired those relationships because luckily um most of our family came to the lord and became christians through my parents but i do think that the boomers laissez-faire hands-off version of parenting in the 80s um encouraged the rebellion mentality in gen x but then also encouraged gen x parents to be much closer to their kids and that's why you see Gen Z is much closer to their parents. Like you watch TikTok, you watch um, YouTube or Instagram, you see so many posts with people like goofing off with their parents. Like right. a guy like Jake Paul, I hate Jake Paul, terrible, terrible guy. But you would argue that he's the most detrimental thing to um, our youth. Or like lots of people would argue that people of his brand. And he loves his parents. They're all over his media and stuff like that. And I don't think they're a good family, but even like on that level, it's cool that being close to your parents is so glorified that even somebody like Jake Paul will even I can think of some other celebrities like the Ball family as much as like mm-hmm. as much as the dad is so funny and crazy their family's tight like yeah. you can see that like the oldest son he's like a superstar now in the NBA like he still respects his dad even though his dad goes nuts in the media like they have documentary shows about it but that's actually a great pivot for the second question or sophomore boss move with the same article it goes on to say that Monica or Courtney Cox has also enjoyed spending additional quality time with her daughter during this pandemic by rewatching Friends together, and also oh. making TikTok dance videos. Mm, um, see, so, of so, course. <laughs> so that's a perfect pivot, right? She says, "My daughter gets mad at me because she thinks I'm using her for posts, and she's not wrong." So mom's making TikToks. Soft move for boss. Okay, so look, anytime you do anything to be close to your kids, like any kind of activity that you have no real interest in is a boss move. Like I watch, like my dad will play whatever violin or like whatever instrument thing or drawing thing or sport thing that Ola or Brennan are into. And I think that's the coolest thing. So definitely a boss move, but just as a general rule of thumb, if it has to do with TikTok, it's a soft move. 
<laughs> well, we can make a little plug or a little teaser, but we have an episode coming up with uh, two guests, Hannah and Rachel. And we one of the topics we talk about that we're going to feature in a side episode is TikTok. So I'm probably going to download it eventually just to check it out. But Gabriel is still very on the TikTok soft move side. Yeah, go ahead. To, uh, keep listening to, the, for, to find out more about that. But continuing with the subject of, you know, parents doing things with the kids, I think that that's very true. Like I grew up with my dad playing Monopoly with me one-on-one for like half an hour, you know, all the time um, playing basketball in the basement on the little tykes basketball hoop and letting me win, which is weird. I don't think I'd let my kid win. I'm going to let my kid win. Maybe as a little kid. No, I don't think I will. But he would go out of his way with, uh, you know, and create like a homeschool soccer group every other Saturday to play soccer he loves soccer you know so you know that's that's really what grew a bond with my dad growing up too and then my mom would always be supporting me in sports you know watch my baseball games and stuff like that and um, encouraging me along the way and now we share love for working with younger people so i did it i did a sociology project in college where i went back and interviewed my baseball coach who was age 62 at the time 63 Mm -hmm. i think and i was supposed to ask him like what has changed what's normal what's not normal you know before old earlier in his life to now and the thing he would share about his experience working at our school as a coach and a uh, gym teacher the parents would work with him they would come to him be like hey what is my kid doing or and if he mentions anything about misbehaving the parents would immediately listen to him as a first source and be like all right let me talk to my kids but then now especially you know in the recent years if he mentions to any parent that the kid is misbehaving, the parent will automatically defend their kid. And be like, why? how could you say that? Or my kid would not do that. And even if it was all evidence-based, like the parent's still defending the kid. And so that was a big difference for him that he mentioned that stood out to me even to this day. And I, I noticed that when I was a counselor for youth group for five years, for sure. Like it's parents are very defensive of their kids now. Yeah. Um, do you think that's something to do with the generations that you're talking about? So millennial parents are what he's interacting with more there, I would assume, if he's later in the career and he's a youth baseball coach. Most of the people with young kids are millennial parents. So if they're going to be under the age of 10, they're probably about millennial. And I think that um, that's a reflection of the fact that millennials are so self-absorbed and they now see them ki- their kids as an extension of themselves. So when the kid comes under fire, they view it as them coming under fire. Whereas parents before didn't view their, they viewed their kids as an individual and an individual that it's their job to grow and to develop. So they would take the coach's word for it because they don't want to miss out on a chance to develop their child. But nowadays they're more, they view the kid as the extension of themselves. So, and if they are willing to admit that the kid needs work, they have to admit that they need to work on the way they parent, you know? Right. So if the kid's at fault, they must be at fault too. And they're unable to accept that reality. That makes a lot of sense. And of course, we're speaking of this from a broad perspective. There's obviously course, exceptions in every generation. In every, sure. yeah, in every generation, you're going to have the uh, brands of the perfect parent and brands of terrible parents. Like I'm thinking about Gen Z kids having a lot of freedom. It's going to be like what you said. It's going to be like kind of a correction in yeah, terms of definitely. they probably wanted or they could want more direction in their life from their parents and, and that, that will result in stricter parents <laughs> uh-huh yeah but the world is dangerous and the world's always been dangerous but the ways the world is dangerous evolve so like in the 80s parents were super super friggin strict about drugs because that was something that when they're growing up in the 60s they had to deal with and battle with 
So in the 60s, if you're raising kids and your kid comes home with LSD or weed, like it's going to be an issue, but it's not going to be the end of the world because you don't understand it. But in the 80s, if you grew up with LSD and weed and your kid comes back with that, you're going to lose your crap because you've seen all the pitfalls of that in your friends. Well, Gen Z kids have the internet. Drugs aren't our, the war of the youth. The internet is the war of the youth. So out of touch gen x and millennial parents the ones that don't make that effort to understand the internet have let their kids go free reign on the internet like we all see that child with an ipad and how many of those have parental locks on them probably almost none and the internet is extremely dangerous it is causes um a ton of psychological damage like beyond the, the stuff that's obvious like instagram or TikTok. I'm talking about like stuff that's just on the internet, stuff we all know is universally horrible and completely accessible. And kids are thrown into that pool, that pool with no guidance, you know? Like you wouldn't let your child walk around aimlessly in the streets to figure out how to navigate them. You'd hold their hand. The internet, every child had to walk alone through and Gen Z is going to realize that and police the crap out of their child's internet experience. You know, because like we know all we know all about the predators, the pedophiles, the creepy websites. We know about the, the websites like Chat Roulette and Omegle. Like how many children spent time on Omegle and Chat Roulette that just was terrible for the development and parents had no idea. I'm just very curious what's going to be the next thing. Like right now is social media and internet. What's next? Like, I, I don't know. I think um, I think travel will probably hit a boom and we're going to deal with parents not understanding how to police their kids travel. I think um, you can have access to going places all the all yeah the time. exactly that amount of independence for a kid is going to um, shoot up. They're talking about a light rail implementation in the U.S. I was looking at the hypothetical map for it. It's really impressive. It's very cool. They'll have one that goes from New York to L.A., which will be sick. Wow. Yeah, I mean, obviously that that's that's long term um, long term planning, yep. but eventually, like, I could see that being a serious issue. You know that that like. Um, it already can be, you know. We have right, people like, who travel on their own when, like, our age. That at the point yeah. when they reach the age where they can travel on their own, they lose touch with their parents. Kids We're gonna will put become, that on wax. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, we're I think become, um, we're gonna have, kids will become more independent like that, and parents will have to become more adventurous with their kids. Because the trick to raising a kid isn't um, force yourself to be there; it's make your kid want you to be there. That's what you really want. Not, and people, parents think like, oh, the best method to do that is to be a friend. But that's not true because you don't always need your friend, but you can always need your parent. Agreed. How do you feel about those parents that prioritize a friendship with their kids over a paternal role? Here, wait, let me give you a hypothetical. I had one friend. She was so close with her daughters that she told her eldest daughter, you don't have to tell me anything that my, that your younger sister does unless you think I need to be involved there. But, like, you can pretty much guide there because I don't want that to damage our friendship. You know, obviously, we are both Christians, and this podcast mm-hmm. is not scared to mention that. But God created parents to have that parental role. It almost makes me feel like it's kind of like the she doesn't want to be there. the bad guy. Yeah. Right. And it's like, it's, hard, it's, it's harder to be the bad guy, but still love. And mm-hmm. it's just the easy way out to be still cool with your kids so you don't have to deal with the conflict. It's conflict aversion. And. It reminds me of the, the mom from Mean Girls, <laughs> Amy Poehler, um, if you remember that movie yeah, at all. I do. Literally, every time I see no, every time I see one of those moms, I think of Amy Poehler from Mean Girls. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. All right. Well, you got any more thoughts on Mother's Day or should I start getting ready to make breakfast in bed? 
you should start go you should go get ready for your surprise for your mom tomorrow this was a great conversation i definitely enjoyed it hopefully we have more of these sub episodes i'll start editing this soon but yeah this is great you should do them by holiday you should hear my thoughts on the fourth of july <laughs> oh no well we have a lot there are a lot of holidays so we could do this once a month a holiday themed episode that's actually not a we missed earth day that could have been us <laughs> I just rolled my eyes. Yeah, I was about to say, if you guys didn't know. It's great. I hope you enjoyed it. Signing off. All right. Whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) I like it. I think we should keep the recording inside.